Greetings, commanders, and welcome to episode large number of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic and arrestingly handsome community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Souverine, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder bar for this episode are... We have Commander Kurgle. Hello, Kurgle. Hey, good evening. We have Commander Wood Moss Benwood, uh, a.k.a. Commander Edelweiss. Grant, what the hell are you playing? <laughs> and uh, we also have our guest, Commander Mac Winston of the East Empire Company. East India Company. Hello. Same thing. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> if you go far enough to the west, you'll get east. <laughs> yeah, precisely. And um, blast from the past, Alan Stroud. Good evening. Um, yeah. No, uh, uh, East East India, a little bit different to East Empire. It, it does, um, although allegorically, I think I think probably the same thing, right? I legit yeah, thought they were East Empire, uh, East <laughs> uh, East Empire Company for the entire same, time. same it's imperialist. Not even the same letter. It's imperial is an I, Empire is an E. But it's same Such imperialist designs, right? Yeah, precisely. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Unashamedly. <laughs> uh, and we have the lovely um, Grant Psycho Cow on tech. Hello. Can we say hello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, could you yeah. can't hear me. You can't hear me. Well, I'm, I'm muted myself to you now. guys, but uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> everyone else keep me going, hello. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, I'm playing um, super um, cutesy animals battlegrounds. Because I like to get disqualified, and it does disqualify me quite frequently. So, Super Animal Royale—it's a lot of fun. What is Super Animal Royale? It's a battle royale. Yeah, it's a battle royale game with um, cutesy animals. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Looking at it, please tell me it's free to play. (laughs) It's all microtransactions. Please tell me you did not pay for it, Grant. Mate, that looks really fun. <laughs> it does look cool. Yeah, just wait till I win. Bring that cool thing <laughs> There's something satisfying about beating a whole thousand odd 12 year olds. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, think we've got a new, I think we've got a new name for the show. <laughs> okay. I'm just working my way up to get my cow skin unlocked and then I'll be happy. Totally good. We'll leave uh, cow beating 12 year olds. Um, if you wish, you can join us live. We're hanging out in game in open at the. Are we at the Orange Sidewinder Bar this evening or around PlayStation? I'm at the bar currently. Kurgle is at the bar. Um, if you can't get in game, you can also join the Twitch chat channel, which you can access through laveradio.com forward slash live and clicking on live chat, and also at twitch.tv forward slash laveradio. Uh, right, have we all been? Ben, do you want to start us off? Yeah, I've been awesome. Can you start with somebody else off, though, while I just quite quickly slave through the slot? Uh, brilliant. Okay, so <laughs> beating beating 12-year-olds and sliding through slots. Uh, while that's going on, Kogel, how have, how's your week been? My week was has been amazing so far, and then I got sick, and so I'm full of illness again, and I feel miserable, but I'm in the cold of space, so it's all good. I'm sorry to hear. What are you? What particular flavour of affliction do you have? I think I've got a chest infection this time. That's brilliant. Ah, that's shit. <laughs> well, thanks Probably. for joining us, despite being ill. That's very kind of you. That is fun. Um, Mac, how have you been? Pretty good. No, yeah. no illnesses on my side. Um, 
we've uh, in game we've been fighting well three conflicts one of them is a war two of them are elections simultaneously which has been interesting um amongst other things uh speaks yeah, of your pretty, voluminous talent yes yeah um it's been yes it's been uh other than that it's been pretty pretty nominal week to be honest lots of um yes lots of lots of lots of our enemies vanquished as we are want to do <laughs> excellent right okay vanquishing enemies um that sounds um that sounds like a very noble way to spend a week oh yes uh, <laughs> uh psycho cow how the hell is your bathroom uh it's it's still in existence um we haven't taken it further back um just waiting number one son joins us uh on the 15th i think officially or the 16th to start that process so progress should hopefully start to resume in two or three weeks time we should be much further on jolly good um and uh alan how have you been yeah all right um super busy this time of year unfortunately um term started a little bit early so uh so we're back teaching i think we're week four now so just been prepping lectures today um yeah no just just doesn't stop and um so it's really it's a case of just just going down the to-do list every every day every evening uh plugging through things and um maybe occasionally getting a little bit of 20 minutes here and there to to have a bit of a rest so uh, i had a sleep today it was nice <laughs> about 15 minutes worth of power nap that was that was good gosh i love a nap absolutely yeah. love a nap um power is nap. that is that 50 do you mean 15 minutes sleep just generally in your life or is that no. of a healthy night sleep yeah. well you know you you try for a healthy night's sleep i mean i'm i'm on wednesdays and thursdays i'm up at five in the morning to get to 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 work so um yeah, the rest of the week's um, a little bit easier in terms of my teaching this year, but um, a lot of prep and a lot of other projects. So um, it's a lot to to kind of do, um, which is is busy. Surely good. Um, ben, are you ready to are you ready to ready to tell us about your lovely week yet? Or yeah, I, I'm talked and ready. But first of all, I have to ask Alan, how are your brambles doing? Oh, they're growing, growing. <laughs> You know, it's it's day of the triffids out there. To be fair, I could I could um, I could do with Grant's help because the light's gone in the upstairs bathroom and there's a leak in the downstairs toilet. So uh, I've had to um, we've had to turn the downstairs toilet off for uh, for a while and um, put a lamp in the upstairs bathroom. So um, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. So if you if you got five minutes, Grant, you fancy popping down? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might get done with about long. four years. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, you could walk it, right? The distance. You don't happen to have one of those awful French abortions called a sani flow on your toilet, do you? No. <laughs> well, count yourself lucky, because when they go wrong, you have to take them apart, and you know what's in them. Uh, nice. Yeah. Am I right yeah, no. thinking that you're on a Channel Island, Mac? No, I'm in the Isle of Man. Uh, right. Okay. I wondered whether you had French toilets in on the island that you were on. But, oh no, um, we have we have proper British toilets here. Charlie, <laughs> <laughs> good. Um, with with, the, with the, the proper Thomas Crapper siphon system, they're they're marvellous. <laughs> <laughs> you learn so much about everybody's bathrooms on this show. It's excellent. <laughs> uh, ben, shall I, shall I, shall I tell stories about my toilets, wonky flusher now? Please, please do. <laughs> I thought you'd never offer. 
Oh, we've we've had a wonky flusher too. The the little square thing that attaches the handle to the pull chain had rounded off, and and the handle was about to fall off. But anyway, uh, our screw that holds our toilet handle on keeps on screwing itself. I swear we've got a ghost or something. You go off and you tighten it up as, so you can barely flush the, the handle. And then the next day, you come off and it's like, you flush it and away it comes in your hand again. Someone's trolling you, mate. Yeah. Well, a member of your family um, is secretly... That, that is basically the, the problem we, we ended up having. You had to tighten the screw-ups tighter and tighter and tighten it. Grew it less and less and less. Yeah. And anyway, we have a new handle now. Uh, but no, good. so I, I've actually, I've had a really busy and good week, though, because... Uh, I've, I've finally managed to crack one billion credits in ready cash. Hey, that sounds almost as much as Mac lost the other day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, almost. Because uh, I've been playing with my brother and Lauren. I've been helping him get cash and showing him the ropes and things like that. But obviously by helping him getting cash, it's also obviously been earning me some pennies too. Hmm. What, have um, you, um, what methods have you been employing? So we've been Large running missions... fertilizer trading? No, none of that. Um, I did actually, I did, on the day of the fertilizer release, I did buy some fertilizer and did a wing trade of about 600, 700 tons with him. So that obviously netted him basically enough money to get a Cobra. Yeah. Um, It'd be funny if you were like, oh, I've got this great new exploit, mate. We'll get you sorted out in no time. <laughs> His first no. experience of the game was having his account mullered. <laughs> no, no, we we did it all legitimately, and I took the I took the the the, the fertilizer to wherever he was, uh, just outside of the noob zone, and was like, "Here, you are. I dumped all that on him. He made some he made some money there. Uh, I obviously made some credits as well, and he then got a cobra. We did some wing missions, did some did a whole lot of missions." Enough to basically get him up to an asp. Hmm. And then once we got an asp, I then went off and introduced him to low-temperature diamond mining. Lovely. Uh, so we did. They, we were doing that, and he was having fun. I thought um, was, um, I've heard about your brother-in-law. Unless, yeah. unless your sister marries at a voracious rate, I thought he already played Elite Dangerous. He did, but he's never... He's only... He, well, he... he oh God. So he, he bought Elite Dangerous for the Mac when it was first released and actually got the Lifetime Expansion Pass for oh. the Mac. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, poor bloke. Was it um, fairly seamless to transfer that across? Well, he... he is seamless getting it from the Mac onto the PC. That doesn't... But then, you know, because he had a Mac, he couldn't actually play Horizon, so he then went off and got... Um, got it on his PlayStation 4 and played it but didn't really have anybody much to play with. Hmm. Um, he's done some stuff, but not never really played it seriously, shall we say. Um, and now we're just basically getting him up to up to having enough ready cash, basically, to do some stuff on the PC. Um, I've also played some Planet Planet Zoo. Yes, um, I wanted to ask you about that. It, that was a lot of fun. They they finished the beach of that today. Um, it's really combat? pretty. Um, you know, I cannot believe how pretty the game is, uh, which I should shouldn't have any problems with it. It's, it really just looks so pretty. Um, how did you get meter access? By fork, forking up the money for the um, oh for the special edition, basically, which gets you 
other animals and things like that and <laughs> access. So I guess you sold you, your soul for the pre-order. Is that what you're saying? I sold my soul for the pre-order and oh. got the, because with all these things, I always try to get the stuff that gets me the music videos, the music as well, because I like listening to that kind of stuff at work. And Frontier's music is always lovely, so mm, yeah. yeah, I don't mind that. Um, you generally really like management games. I do like management games. Yeah, I mean, I love as Groundhog attests. He, well, he knows I love playing RimWorld, and um, I've got so many hours in uh, Prison Architect as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, just, I like that. I do like that kind of thing. It's just nice to chillax too. Mm. Um, <clears throat> So I've been in that, um, but on Sunday I wound up, well, I went off to, I was going to go off and watch Joker, which was very interesting, uh, and I still, after watching it, I still have no ideas of Joker's origin story. <laughs> right, okay. Let's see if that wants to go and watch that. Uh, so I'm, um, I'm It's very, very good. I really enjoyed it, and I have no idea what the hell happened in it. Jolly good. Did you also go and see some other films as well? I, I, I did. Well, I, I found out that Ghostbusters was having its 35th anniversary and it finished just before Joker started. Mm. And so I was like, I have to go and see that. Yeah. So, I, and then I found out that Ad Astra, which I've been sitting on the fence about, was finishing about 10 minutes before Ghostbusters started. <laughs> so I was like, sod it, I'll go and see that too. So you spent like seven hours in the cinema? I basically I got to the cinema for about 12 o'clock and I left about half past nine. Bloody hell. You, at the end of that, you, you must have looked like... I was like, exhausted! Uh, you must have looked like, like Andy Serkis after the, the, the becoming <laughs> Gollum's... <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I, I was... It's surprisingly tiring sitting down on your bum watching films all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Bloody hell. Um, yeah, <laughs> you, must, you must have looked like such a cave dweller coming out at the end of that. Um, what, did you, um, what did you reckon to Ad Astra? It was interesting. It was pretty. Um, Fucking weird and confused. Yeah, weird and confused. Um, it was you know it was, much, it was very much a character piece, questioning what Brad Pitt's character is all about and all that kind of malarkey. Mm. So I can understand why it gets fairly good um, critic reviews and not so good punter reviews on Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I felt a little bit like it was several films trying to all inhabit the same two hours. Um, but uh, but anyway. Um, what, what did you think though, about the scene where he jumps through Uranus's rings? Pile of shit. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> Comple- completely ridiculous. <laughs> I just—I I saw what he was doing. I was like, "Oh my god, he's not." Okay, I am—I am the person here who has edited and read and dealt with more emergency EVAs in space than anybody, and that was the second worst EVA in space <laughs> I have ever had to deal. Only with. next to gravity. No. What was the worst? What was? I was oh, going to say, what's the worst? Oh, Oh, you don't want to know. You really <laughs> no, we don't do. want to yes, know. Yes, we do. We really well, do. Some, about, some of the listeners do. It's just some, some of you have read it, so I'm going to leave it there. Is it in Fearless? No. <laughs> EVAs, EVAs, EVAs. Some of us have read it, have we? Yeah. Oh, 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 right, okay. It'll be, uh, it'll be an elite book, men presume. Yeah. <laughs> mm, right, okay. Um, <laughs> 
Well, uh, let's talk. Uh, let's talk a bit dangerous for a bit. Uh, that's probably what you lot are here for, anyway. Um, development news: What have the devs mm. been up to? Um, we had patch two arrive this week, um, which apparently solved a few problems and caused a few more. Uh, Kurgle, do you want to talk us through this? Um, well, there's not a huge amount to go over, really. Is that there's been they took the giant blue station icon for entering the store and made it orange again so it doesn't scream I'm a store at you, which I think is great. Um, uh, Gosh, that's a relief. Goodness. Yeah. Um, They fixed some issues with some ship kits. That seems to be all the positive changes. There were a Um, lot of um, really weird issues with ship kits, weren't there? Um, Where, you know, equipping a certain ship kit would stop you jumping out of the system or something that seemed really bizarre. Yeah, I'm still baffled. Like, you can vaguely understand how adding arcs to everything might have broken some of the bits of the system, but you, it, like, it boggles me how putting a Scarlet Crate ship kit on or skin on will stop you jumping out of a system. Yeah. Um, that seems mad, so... I suspect anyway. there's been some fairly deep... I, we're probably certainly seeing the tip of the iceberg with the user interface changes. I think there's possibly some fairly deep-down architectural changes. And that's why that's why so many things have probably been balked, uh, because it goes a bit deeper than we think. I hope so. I mean, I've, I've been a proponent for a long time that I think, like, if FDev got their heads tuckered down and worked on some of the core infrastructure of the game, that would probably bring a lot more benefits than, you know, a tiny extra feature or... Yeah, so the, the the question of I mean it, it must be the um, it unless uh, well it, it sort of it, it seems intuitive that um, some fairly significant changes have gone on under the hood to um, that mean that uh, the patches to seemingly unconnected parts of the game have bugs that pop up in totally random areas. Um, and uh, it does, as Zach said in his post, which we'll come on to in a moment, it, he said that it, again, once it's been developed and iterated upon for five years, becomes quite complex. Um, and uh, and you do wonder how spaghetti-like the code must be under under all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, but- I'm sure I'm sure that it, every addition that they bring to the like the mining update, I genuinely think that the systems that they replaced the old systems with, they probably have made improvements to the, you know, the the game code that 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 change has touched. And so I think, like, the newer bits of the game are probably easier to to work with than the older bits of the game. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, And... uh... Uh, just glancing at the show notes, it looks like there's a, the, the power priority bug is back, which is which has popped up a couple of times this year. Um, has anybody um, has anybody experienced that in game yet? I've never been affected by the old power module priority bug. Um, yeah, it's um, if it's if it's what the one I remember is when if you jump into a new system, it um, resets all of your power priorities to. To the same to one, um, and 
if it's the same one, it's it's really quite irritating. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> well, it's really quite deadly for explorers because you think you've got an enfeebled exploration ship with a very limited power margin. You don't realize it's done this. You go dismiss it. You go in your SRV. You dismiss your ship. It turns everything off. It lifts off a few feet, and all the thrusters go offline, and then your ship crashes into the ground. <laughs> oh, man. And then yeah. you're taking the Remlock ride of shame back home. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's quite brutal, isn't it? Mechanically, I really like that that's, a ha- that that's a thing. I like that it's not just scripted cinematic of your ship taking off. I like the fact that the, the, the mechanics of ship design mean that a bug like that can they happen. can just go wrong yeah exactly yeah but um but at the same time it is quite annoying when when a bug has an impact like that. yeah or not not even just a bug just just you've changed the outfitting in your ship and you don't you, you don't realize you've exceeded your power you you go and interdict some pirate thinking you know you've got this this great horribly weapons ship with god knows how much shields you deploy hard points and everything goes offline. You're sitting there dead in the water with no shields with a Ferdinand's in front of you wailing away at your now unprotected hull. <laughs> yeah. I can't say how many times I've done that. <laughs> um, and uh, there was also a, um, we'll move on from the, from the, the those particular bugs. Um, there was another, um, what's it called? Discovery Scanner uh, episode. Was that in the last week? The the one with the voice actors? It was, yes. That was awesome. Cool. Can you tell us about that, Ben? Because I, I haven't had a chance to catch Oh, that. right. Well, if you've ever wanted to do any kind of voice acting, you really do need to watch it. It's really very good. Um, so basically, it's got Millie and I can't remember the other guy's name um, who do the basically two of the voice actors who have done a whole lot of work on Elite Dangerous, and wound up in-game, or at least in, in-game lore, the two of them, they've, they've known each other for years, and due to NDAs, they wound up in an in-game romance, and they didn't even know about it. <laughs> um, uh, so it's just telling, or showing off the way that they do their work, and it's just, um, you know, the, the trials and tribulations of being a voice actor... Comparing various companies without naming any names, uh, they're obviously gushing about how Frontier do their their work, uh, but they were being genuinely appreciative that Frontier let them bring some character to their work, and that they let them um, they, they let they they don't go off and go all Marvel on the scripts, for example, and you can only see it like two seconds before you go into the booth. And mm-hmm. things like that, so they can actually figure out who this character is, um, and they're not like, you know, apparently some voice acting company companies they'll like go off and read. Spaghettification would be a would be a thing with a black holes. So does Ed build up one, um, and then they go off and have to read off exactly what the guy said in the same tone and inclination, and. and and they're just like they don't seem to like working that way, and I can understand why, because mm. um, it's it's just like reading line after line after line, and it sounds really really soul destroying. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it is quite a difficult process. I mean, um, the directing voice actors is quite hard, particularly if you want them to. You know, you're trying to explain the context, 
of how the speech is supposed to be delivered. Um, and, you know, quite often you can find that, you know, speaking as a writer who has written parts for voice, when the recording comes back, it is quite clear that the actor and the director have no idea how to, um, you know, how to convey the emotion that was written in the lines. And you sit there looking at it going, why didn't you realize that was how it was supposed to be said? It's obvious that was how it was supposed to be said. Why, why did you decide to do it in this horribly aggressive voice when it's actually quite passive and it's quite weak and thin and kind of, you know, reedy? Um, you know, you, you, can, you, can, you can see that it's supposed to be nice. Why have you done it as this kind of, you know, troll? What's, what's gone on here? And that happens, you know, um, mm-hmm. and that happens with experienced sound engineers trying to, you know, trying to trying to do um, voice direction. So, you know, it, it, it's tricky. I mean, the balance of, of trying to make sure that an actor is empowered, but at the same time, giving the actor the chance or at the same time, you know, getting what you want is actually is very hard. Mm, yeah. yeah, I've noticed that. It's, it's certainly the things that we think are obvious in terms of direction or um, particular lines that they're up, they're often not anywhere near as obvious as as well. Certainly, I think they are. Um, when I've worked with voice actors in the past, I've, I've I thought, oh, that shouldn't need too much direction. It's just um, it's fairly obvious what the what the emotional context is, and it, and it really isn't. Like you've got to, um, uh, they've either got to be um, quite intuitive or um, need a bit more help and guidance than uh, than they often get. I reckon. Yeah, or or you know, you end up with somebody who just takes it the wrong way, you know, they take it in completely different direction. And that can happen as well when you're, um, when you're, you're, you're freelancing to a company, you know, you're basically contracting out and you're letting them do the, do the work. And it sometimes as well, you know, if you're in immersed in the context, you can kind of sit there and think what you're getting, you know, cause it's the best take of what you've got. You can think what you're getting is great. And then you get back to, you know, the rest of the team and go, yeah, so we, re- we spent a day recording this. And they listen to it and go, it's all crap. <laughs> it really is all crap. You, we can't use any oh, of that. And that's going to be might, soul destroying. Yeah, yeah. I, might, I might be speaking from experience, you know, I'm afraid. So, um, yeah. you know, it does happen. Mm. Yeah. So, um, but those discoveries kind of, um, that series is absolutely excellent. And we have some really exciting news about another uh, live stream series that Frontier are announcing, which we'll touch on a little bit later. Um, but first of all, I want to um, I want to ask about the the possible new Interstellar initiative uh, that has has been mooted. Uh, who can tell me about this? Mac, have you seen anything? No, I haven't. We've we've been just been concentrating on our three simultaneous conflicts, so my head's been down. Really, yeah, <laughs> right, right. I've, I've heard something. There's, I've heard there's some, there's some interstellar initiative coming up, but I couldn't tell you what it was. Commander Edelweiss, are you slightly more plugged in than Mark? Here? I am slightly more plugged. Good. If you remember reading back Galnet, which some people may or may not be reading, um, then there was words that. Food, we were having a bit of a famine and food was going a bit scarce. And that's why we wound up getting this fertilizer and things like that. And, you know, who knows what the hell's going off. Um, but then there's talk about you know, some kind of virus. <coughs> Maybe there's some kind of virus that people are doing. Um, 
I mean, this it's all speculation. What's causing all this? Has there been anything in Galnet? I've not seen anything in Galnet, but then I don't read Galnet news because I've got Pete Wotherspoon. True. Yes, that's a good point. <laughs> um, and what's so, the um? What? Why does it say Trumbles in the show notes? Oh, that is complete. That's Colin. That's Colin being a troll. And, the, <laughs> and I mean, you obviously, you know what Trumbles are. I do, yeah. Famous yeah. for doing. So Colin is just... It would make sense. It, it would. would make sense. Yeah. I don't, sadly, I don't think we'll see Trumbles in Elite Dangerous. So, but, uh, but it would be lovely. So there is actually some... Um, some Garnet News things that just came out actually a couple of days ago. Hmm. Um, but I've not read them yet, so if you want to read them, go on to the Garnet News and read yourselves, you lazy buggers. <laughs> or even better, if you can't be bothered reading them yourself, you can hit the play button and say, play it for me. And then you can get some dodgy uh, text-to-speech thing reading it for you. I mean, time-wise, we, we should be... We can't be more than three or four weeks away from the next one. If, if, if the timescale matches what Frontier said at the beginning of the year. Oh, we will see. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm. You, you might be able to tell. I'm not really massively engaged with it. Just no, as long as it, long as it doesn't it. affect our supply of onion head. I mean, that's <laughs> really all we care about. Indeed. Um, uh, right. We uh, we also have uh, patch number three for the September update, which is incoming. Um, which looks like it'll be. Uh, released towards the end of the week if Frontier's Twitter account is anything to go by. Yes. Um, so fingers crossed that'll address the um, the bugs touched on above. Um, my my dream is that they will stealth take up Sony's announcement last week that they're letting anyone do cross-platform with PlayStation. And it's just yes. going to be cross-platform PlayStation Elite. And oh, PC. imagine. Imagine if that was just if that was just put out in a in a in a point patch. Just there you go. Have it. Yeah, yeah we, we we should have um we should have thought about that actually and, and touched on it a bit more. Um, for anybody who didn't see, um, I think Sony announced that they. I mean, guys, step in and correct me if I'm wrong. I, I, I'm sort of reading, um, remembering um, secondhand news. But Sony announced that they were going to be allowing crossplay on um on all of their games. Unfettered um, access sorry. for developers. Yeah, so developers need to developers need to sort of opt in and um, and uh, tweak their games accordingly. Um, so it just um, as and when that takes effect, it'll just be incumbent upon Frontier to to make the necessary changes to allow it. Is that right? I'm sure I remember a vague forum post several years ago that was basically along the lines of Sony with a roadblock. So I really hope that that will lead to. Yeah, I cross platform down the well. lines. Yeah, Ben, what do you reckon? So, I I completely agree with Andy there, um, but I don't think we'll see it in any of the current iteration of Elite Dangerous. Might be rolled into Elite Dangerous twenty twenty though. Okay, why do um, why do you why because you think that it would be more because if I'm a frontier and I wanted to get people to upgrade to my new system. I could come along and say, come and give us money to get Elite Dangerous 2020, and you can play with all your friends on no matter what platform they're on. It's a major selling point. It's a major feature for it. And you think it would make more sense to wrap that into a, a release that, the, that is no. going to get big news? Money. Anyway? 
And I money. mean, that is, that is a big checkbox for your relaunch of the game, isn't it? Yeah. Now, cross-platform. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Psycho Cow says uh, that he is Commander Psycho Cow on all platforms, um, which means that uh, there would probably be a problem with um, with usernames. And everybody yep. would need to change them or they'd have some some unpalatable suffix or something. Um, so, yeah, not without challenges to overcome, I think. Um, and Commander Ventura says, "Do you think this will also force Microsoft to do the same with crossplay?" Well, as far as I'm as far as I'm aware, I don't think Microsoft were the hurdle. I think they were happy for crossplay. I think that there was. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, chaps. I think I think that's correct. Yeah, I think was, Microsoft are much more open to crossplay than Sony have been historically. Yeah, so there is actually there's actually no reason beyond Frontier's decision that um, that we don't currently have crossplay between Xbox and PC. I think it was just. So I, I think once Sony said that they didn't want it, they they decided not to allow it for any platform um, to um, to make sure it was uniform and, and I suppose the perception of fairness. Um, but there isn't actually any technical or 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 hurdle from Microsoft for Xbox uh, Xbox PC crossplay certainly. Uh, so anyway, we'll have to watch this space. Um, anyway, uh, for those of you with longer memories. Uh, you will probably be titillated and excited by the presence of um, the Lave Station controller, um, Alan Stroud, and wondering what uh, what stroke of fortune brings him back to your airwaves. Um, and that is because Alan has a very, very exciting announcement. Um, I think I'm possibly more excited about that than Alan is. Um, <laughs> for uh, well, I'll, I'll, Alan, uh, t- tell us tell us what's happened. Tell us your news. Yeah. Okay. Um... It's been a little while coming because it's it's taken a while to do. But then again, the the proper publishing industry does take a while to to get these things um, sorted out. So um, I have a new science fiction book coming out, um, and it's coming out next year. And it's coming out from uh, Flame Tree Press, who are actually quite a big deal. They're um, they're certainly the biggest publisher I've worked with, and that is no um, no disparage. Uh, disparaging to you know, dispar- no disparage intended to um, to Luna Press or to, to New Compress or to Bayon Books, um, you know, who I've who I've all worked with. Um, they are they are excellent and you know and, and and really cool. But it's very very lovely when essentially you're working with a publisher who immediately reads your work, gives you an offer sends you an advance and um, announces your stuff in a very, very prestigious catalogue with the likes of Ramsey Campbell and Jonathan Jans, both of who are um, international bestsellers and um, and award-winning authors. So, um, yeah, pretty excited. It looks brilliant. As a, as a publishing house, it looks fantastic. Um, offices yeah. in London and New York, um, big sales in both countries. Yeah, they've um, and not also been... really, really great genre writers as well. Yeah, they've not been going. They've been going a couple of years, but um, the guy who runs it, who um, I, I basically I went to Worldcon in Dublin, and we were running the the British Science Fiction Association stand, which is the you know I'm, I'm now chair of that, so you know it's part of part of the responsibility. And um, so we're running the stand, and he came over and he said. Um, uh, we're actually we're looking for science fiction authors. You know, we 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 want to move into science fiction as well as cause we do a lot of horror and we do a lot of thrillers and and other stuff. And we want to we want some more science fiction writers. 
And so Karen said, well, I'll, I'll take his card and, um, you know, my, my partner might be back in a bit. And so we kind of ended up missing each other for about a day and then got to, to talking. And he said, well, send me the manuscript and I'll, I'll take a look. And, you know, it took about a month, came back and went, this is fantastic. You know, um, we want to sign you up. So, and it's gone very, very fast. You know, um, <laughs> you don't, you don't have these things happen because that was mid August, you know, and it's, it's now on the slate. You can pre-order it now. It's on the slate for July next year. So, you know, incredibly quick, uh, in terms of what's happening. They had a slot, they had an opening, they went, right. You know, we know we've looked at this, we've read it through. We know it's pretty much, it's not going to take us that much to get it done. Only thing is, uh, we need to do the cover. And, um, <laughs> so that turned up a week ago and it was like, Oh, Oh, and now it's on the website. Oh, okay. So yeah. Um, hardback paperback ebook, um, first in a series, military science fiction. Um, yeah, you know, um, I'm, I'm kind of quite infused. It's got me writing again, which is, is great. I mean, I was writing some other stuff, but it's got me back immediately writing the sequel, which is, is really good. I bet it has, yeah. The novel is called Fearless, um, and I've read it, and it is bloody brilliant. Um, it is... Uh, space opera is the wrong word, but grounded in plausibility and realism, isn't it? Well, it's, it's Wrath of Khan meets The Expanse, um, written in oh, a style... Sorry. Yeah, written, written in a style that is not kind of... not James A. Corey. Um, I'm not a particular fan of... Um, of the James A. Corey um, gestalt entity, you know, because he's not a person. It's it's two authors writing under the name. Um, I'm not a particular fan of that style of writing. I love the series. I think the series is fantastic, but I don't like that particular style of writing. So this isn't written in that way, but it's it's the fiction is the same premise. So it's, you know, generated gravity, um, quite realistic physics, a um, couple of contrivances. There's one or two things that are you know, a, a kind of a bit uh, science fiction and a little bit of a stretch, but um, tried to be as plausible as we can We can kind of make it. So, um, yeah, you know, um, really enjoyed uh, writing it. And um, I really liked, there's a particular theme that I wanted to explore, which was um, having a, a disabled hero who the she's not a character where the disability is something she has to overcome, which is a bit of a trope in disabled characters in, in fiction. Um, and it's also not, it's not glorified. It's just, this is who she is. Um, which I noticed and, you know, I was starting to, to sort of get it around to different, different possible publishers a little bit last year. And of course the Doctor Who series came out and they were doing the same thing. They were, you know, they were, portraying characters who had disabilities who they were just part of who they are you know and actually the the main character of this uh this particular book is is like that and it, i think that's that's a you know it's quite a positive role model um that we're we're trying to put across in that you're not you're not trying to say to anybody that they have to overcome what they are um you know they they are what they are and they can be anything they want to be you know in terms of doing that so so yeah yeah the um that aspect of it i really enjoyed um the um uh it certainly wasn't um it was probably the most 
I want to say grown up, but I don't know whether that's what I mean. And I don't, I don't want to say sensitive either, because not being a disabled, but yeah, not being a disabled person is difficult to know what sensitive means. But it was, it's probably, probably the most grown up treatment of disability in an in an action story that I've ever read. I think um, I like the fact that it didn't define the character or particularly limit her either. Um, and um, and and particularly, it was it was really interesting how she used the setting as a bit of an enabler as well. Um, it was good. I really, really enjoyed that aspect. Of it. Yeah, zero, zero gravity is, I mean, other writers have written this way. They've written um, this way for different reasons. Um, uh, Bujold wrote a whole series of stuff about adapted humans, humans that, that would, you know, sort of change their physiology based on, or be grown a particular way based on what, you know, zero gravity required. Mm. Um Elizabeth Bear has written this way very recently. Um, I read something of hers very recently that was that was like that. But um, I, I'm sure there are um, writers who've written characters who are you know who were born disabled and have then kind of you know lived in zero gravity. It just occurred to me that actually that you know if if you if you're born without any legs then actually a zero-gravity environment is, is quite a freeing environment for you, you know, in, in certain ways. Um, and, you know, it, it, it would kind of, you can move just like everybody else can move. So, you know, it, it seemed, seemed kind of a natural fit in terms of the way in which the character would, would sort of take to, um, to that environment. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's, you know, it's just, I, I think carefully written is probably the best way to, to, to sort of think about it because, you know, I, I very much don't want to write something that, um, that that sort of, you know, as I said about sort of um, sort of overcoming narratives and so on and so forth. And at the same time, you know, I want it to be robust in that it, it needs to it needs to feel like um, you, it, the character is legitimate. You know, and that that means every part of the character needs to be you know legitimate in terms of the way in which they. They act, manage stuff, do things, um, and you know, and get on with their day, um, which I think is really important. So, yeah, I, you know, I enjoyed writing it. I wrote it very quickly. Um, How long did it take to write it? Uh, ooh, I think it was about, I think it was about sort of ten months, which is actually is not bad for one hundred twenty thousand words for me. That's quick. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, usually I've got two or three thing, other things going on as well. So I'm, you know, working on this or working on that. Um, so yeah, I think it, I think it, it pretty much drafted in ten months. Um, what's nice is that the, you know, since the deal, uh, which is now what less than four weeks, I've got twenty thousand words of the sequel. You know, Gosh. which is yeah, you know, is just crazy. Um, <laughs> Oh, it must Crazy be fast. so must be so sort of um, uh, must be such a fillip, such a shot in the arm for a writer to be to have that kind of response to a to a book. Yeah, I, I mean from a publisher. Yeah, I mean it, it is, and and you can be seduced by that, which is is a problem sometimes. You know, you have to even keel is always the you know the best way to be because if if someone's a bit too gushing about how great your work is then um mm. that that can be a problem down the line the 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 situation here is that the guy who runs flame tree um is he used to be in charge of harper collins so he knows what he's talking about 
and the editor who's working with me is i mean he's he's from new york and he's internationally respected so you know suddenly i'm 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 sort of in a big league um yeah. which is lovely you know and he's i mean you know I, I don't want to knock any editor that i've worked with before i've worked with two or three and they've been they've been great i've worked with a couple of bad ones um but you know the the majority of of the editors who i've worked with have been fantastic and but this this very much when you look at what these people have been working with you know that isn't mine i.e but you know the other writers they've been working with you look at it and go oh all now now this this is this is proper stuff this is mm. this is a bit serious um which is great and you know and i mean the book itself is is planned to be the first of a series it's not planned as to how many there would necessarily be in the series um so you know the 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 mythos kind of works for quite a few you know different stories so yeah i you know I'm enjoying the moment um, as it is. I mean, there's a lot of work still to be done, but um, yeah, I'm certainly enjoying the moment. And I try to try to always have a book in the bag, as it were. You know, so no matter what's going on with this, I try to have a manuscript that's finished that I can still be chucking around to people. So I spent most of the summer working on a on a fantasy which is nearly finished, and then that will will start to go around to agents and publishers again. So yeah, you know, it's 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 a nice nice moment. Exciting times. A um, couple of questions. I don't want to stack them. Um, so first of all, uh, the one thing I really, really liked about it was that, um, and this is something that I've noticed as as a facet of lots of um, lots of good films and books. Um, but the the wider cosmic mystery is only hinted at, and only only forms a, a sort of a plank of the. Of the plot without being without being the driving sort of urgency, and I really um, and 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 that whereas the main meat and potatoes of the plot is a very human quotidian one, which is mm. which is the intrigue between these and the cat and mouse between these two spaceships, and I really liked that. I liked the fact that occasionally the curtain tweaked on a mystery which was much bigger than the plot of this one book, and it mm. it, made, it really made me feel that oh wow, there's this there's this whole you know that there are big, big mysteries here that I that it will take that it will take a, another book or two to explore, and I'm aware that I'm only being shown a little bit of it, um, and I really I think that's so compelling in stories. Uh, yeah, I think it's um, it's certainly something I learned. I mean, I, I learned a little bit of doing that from some of my previous writing, but it also is something that you it's a technique you can take away from lovecraft which is actually is um is probably one of the biggest sort of sell points of lovecraft and there are there are problems with lovecraft you know um the writing of lovecraft particularly cloying it's quite slow you know it's it, it's sort of a little bit samey if you read poe and you read lovecraft you kind of go oh, oh this guy is much better than this guy but um yeah. but the mythos is amazing and um, yeah, you know, the, the, there is the need to look at it sort of sideways or to look, deflect off of it or to, you know, to kind of be going in one direction and see something out the corner of your eye. And there's a need to sort of think about it that way because, you know, that's about thinking about the reader's imagination, not just about yours. Um, and mm. I'm not, I, I, you know, as I've got a bit more practice to this, I've become a bit more savvy to, you know, what I like as a as a reader and, and what I like to do. And and one of the things I pride myself on is trying to get other people's imaginations engaged with what I'm doing. Um, 
and that's a tricky art you know there are some writers who who will dictate to you exactly how everything is philip pullman has said that quite famously um you know i am the writer this is my story um whereas i i don't kind of see it that way really and i think that you know in this there is a, a hinted out wider mythos as you mentioned um there's a bit more to it at the moment i'm doing quite a bit of research on um uh what's it it's called um the effect of things outside of beyond neptune so gravitational effect you know the ninth planet stuff yeah i'm I'm doing a bit of research on the ninth planet stuff at the moment i think it's tnos isn't it transitional neptune objects and stuff and you know yeah yeah there's there's you know the way in which orbits are affected outside of jupiter um or beyond jupiter um so yeah so it's you know, which is quite good, and I mean, most people know I'm I'm the shittest scientist in the world, but um, I do try to to get these things right, and and you know, it it it's, it it takes a lot of care in that regard because some of the things that I have to you know to read to get these things right, it it dribbles out my ears, so I have to read it again and read it again to make sure my poor little brain can cope. Yeah, um, that, that, that's something else I wanted to ask actually. Um, how much research did it, did Fearless take you? Uh, a certain amount. Um, I mean, some of the elite stuff helped, you know, because there's quite a lot of mechanical. <laughs> well, um, I, I, you don't want to take elite dangerous too seriously. But but, but hard stuff science in, fiction novel. But some some of the stuff about um, you know generated gravity and what have you, we did that. You know, in the official fiction, we were, you know, we were given quite clear instructions about you know some of the ways in which that would work. That was that was helpful. The the stuff about propulsion, I had to do a fair amount of reading. Um, I'd already done some research. Uh, I'm very, very lucky that Karen's brother is a laser safety engineer, um, and he knows how lasers work, properly work, proper, proper work. Um, so, you know, I tend to write stuff. Most of the lasers in stuff that I write tend to be quite realistic, you know, in terms of the way in which they work. So so that kind of featured in in, in this as featured before in the last tank commander and you know other things I've written. So um, I think we're probably one of the one of the strap uh, uh, as a pull quote in, in the re- in reviews will be the most realistic lasers in <laughs> British literature. <laughs> realistic lasers. Yeah, exactly. No, no, yeah. I, I, I'm famously, not, famously realistic I'm not, lasers. I'm not sure it's gonna I'm not sure it's gonna go that far, but um yeah, no, I, I, I you know I do try to, to make sure that's right. Um, I did some stuff on, on like yeah, the you know the white warp drive. I don't know if you guys know about it. No, white warp so, drive. Yeah, so there's there's this idea. Um, NASA did a Skunk Works project that was um, about you know actual warp capability, and they they've managed to do some strange things in boxes, which they were then going to try and um, replicate in space. Um, Harold G. White was the inventor. It's why it's called the White Warp Drive. Um, okay. Oh, is it is it the the jet propulsion lab- laboratory stuff? Yeah, yeah, it's the JPL JPL um, Eagle Works, you know, stuff. And yeah. you know, there's some there's some very tiny sort of effects with relation to that. So, it, you know, as far as as far as this book's concerned, um, I just wanted to to speed up some of the transit times a little bit. I didn't need to you know, to kind of turn us into gates to other, you know, solar systems. We just needed a little bit of speed in relation to transit time. So so I did a little bit of 
um, a little bit of you know, kind of hand wavium with that, you know, extended that a little bit. Um, and then, you know, then there's, there's some strange stuff with gravity effects and some strange stuff with, um, with radio effects, but that's only really hinted at, uh, to start with. And it, it sort of wraps up. I've tried to use, cause there's, there's a legitimate NASA radio broadcast in the sixties that was on one of the Apollo missions where they started having some weird feedback um, in the, you know, they were hearing this kind of very strange mel- melodic sound in the, um, uh, in the capsule. So I, I sort of had a play around with some of that. And then subsequently I've had a play around with um, Onomura, you know, the, um, I can't pronounce it, you know, the 2017 strange um, object that came into oh, that one. our yeah. solar system yeah, yeah. and disappeared. Did a bit with that and, uh, you know, a couple of other things. So I'm, I'm trying to put some, you know, some legitimate science and astronomy into uh, into what I'm doing where I can. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's it's been good fun. And um, it's nice to be writing science fiction. You know, it, it has, as I say, it has a very sort of quick style, which is, is quite nice. Um, but yeah, you know, hopefully things will go, you know, go well. And um, we can look forward to some time around a LaveCon launch, which would be... Mm, yeah, that would be good. Uh, yeah, if it's July, it might work out. Um, yeah. How long was the how long was the novel gestating? How long how long did it was it bouncing around your cortex? Uh, not not long really. Um, I I was kind of I was aiming to do more more sort of urban science fiction. I think I then had a a class with some students, and we got a you know someone in to do a a master class, and and just I started something in that class, and then went oh actually, and um, yeah, it just started to sort of tick and i i always like to i i kind of get pretty irritable if i don't have something creative going on i get pretty irritable so whether it's music or whether it's writing something or or something else so yeah it it ticked ticked along quite nicely and it was during while i was changing jobs so you know you you kind of started to focus on it a little bit more while while sort of job changes happened and what have you and it does make you kind of sit there and go oh gosh if i don't don't get another job maybe this book will save me Maybe yeah. it'll pay the mortgage. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, we can we can dream eventually, right? Yeah, um, that's, that's, but, a uh, yeah, that's a mind sharpener. Yeah, it's a long way to go till, till we get there. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it was it was you know it was useful, and and I had a l- little bit more free time that year, so it was it was good in terms of the writing process. Yeah, yeah, and uh, your your new, the new editor that you're working with, and um, I did have looks uh, very very impressive indeed. Uh, what sort of changes to the manuscript? have they discussed or are you expecting or is it very much just a, a cursory quality check so to speak none yet Gosh. <laughs> so it's only it's only been a month you know we, we it, it doesn't um things don't uh, things don't happen that quickly um it, it will be interesting don don's a lovely chap and you know and obviously we've back and forth a few emails um the I mean, there's a couple of things I've I've looked at in a readback and gone, okay, I want to tweak that because that character could be a bit better and this is how I can do it. I think I've got one character who is Canadian in one chapter and Scottish in another. <laughs> so that's, gonna, that's probably going to change. Uh, and, and probably will go Scottish, I think, because um, I think I've got another Canadian. So I, I don't want to have too many Canadians. Um, maybe, maybe race, maybe maybe, um, maybe nationality transition will be a thing in your imagined future. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I don't think, yeah, you know, um, 
I, I think at the moment we'd all quite like not to be British, right? You know, that's, that's probably the way I'm just going. We could um, always be a Canadian pretending to be a Scot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would, that would, you know, that would never, that would never happen. I, I had actually that that surprises me. That's it's a really interesting idea because, um, uh, you know, that that if if someone if you chose to do that in a book, you would the dialogue of that person would totally change, right? So it would be like hello, hello, and the um. Uh, the you know the the Brit who's pretending the, the to be a, yeah the pretending to be a member of the police and I actually had I had somebody say to me I was saying oh I need to make these these two characters a bit distinctly different and you know and and stuff and I, I was wondering about you know how I can make this person a bit more you know and someone advised me very strangely oh I'll make them OCD and I, I was like. No, <laughs> no. What do you think? What do you think that is? If I, you know, if I change this character to have this particular um, condition, then I have to rethink the character completely to give it, you know, a legitimate treatment. You know, they, they, they just, you know, off the top of their head, this was just somebody who'd read some of the chapters off the top of their head, just went, oh yeah, yeah, just, you know, make them OCD. It's like, mm, yeah, I want, <laughs> if I'm going to have an OCD character, I'm going to, you know, it's going to be treated in, in the most careful way possible. Um, you know, so it, it, yeah, it was very strange. Um, it, it does, you know, I, I, I've done quite a lot with different writers these days and, um, when you when you sort of see some people's methods and you know and everyone's on a different path, but when you see some people's methods, it does make you sit there and go, "Yeah, really? Uh, hmm, yeah, I wouldn't do it that way." Okay, um, yeah. Well, for, from a position of ignorance, if you're not a writer, that 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 suggestion, it, it it you might think, "Oh, that's a that's an easy to give someone a distinctive quirk that that will be memorable to readers." Um, and I suppose you have to know what I suppose you have to be. To know what you're doing a bit to realize that actually that's a more fundamental change and that re that requires rethinking an entire character well it, it's potentially incredibly offensive yeah it's true yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. that's that's the point is that you know you try and try and do that without really going in and going okay this this is what this means mm. um that's you know uh, oh yeah i'll just do a kind of superficial treatment where they exhibit these symptoms that i've googled um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's not how you it's not how you write a character that feels, you know, legitimate in terms of the way in which um you know their their characteristics are portrayed. No, it's it's not the way to go about it. Yeah. Um so yeah, no, it was you know, it, it was interesting. Um it you know, when you do change stuff, it does when you think it through, you know, particularly if you're a dialogue driven and I quite a lot of my stuff is dialogue driven, some of my chapters quite dialogue driven. Um you know, when you think about how people speak, if yeah. they speak in a different way. It does, you know, it does alter the dynamics of the uh, the scene. So, so yeah. And um, do you have a? Uh, it'd be good to drop a, a link for the the pre order into the the chat. Yeah, yeah, can do that. Um, so I'll 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 drop that in here. Um, so it, uh, yeah, you can. Oops, I've just added it to a basket. That was that was no good. Um, <laughs> just. Uh, Alan, we've noticed yeah. that you've been buying your own <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, uh, I, can, I can drop you guys, so if I just put this in, that's the, um, that's the hardback, but you can get the, the paperback in the e-book uh, e as well, um, Perfect. Which, uh, which is all there, but flametreepublishing.com, 
go look at the Flame Tree Press section. That's the um, you know the modern novels that um, that they're putting out, the new releases and stuff. And um, scroll down the page. I think I'm right up next to to Jonathan Jans somewhere down there. Um, yeah, uh, what am I next to? Let's have a look. Hang on. I'm next to yeah Jonathan Jans. I'm next to Dust Devils by Jonathan Jans, who's who's a Stoker Award winner. So it's won the Bram Stoker Award um for some of his stuff which is pretty amazing and yeah there's you know a good bunch of uh, of writers in there david talaman who I, I actually know is is he's a nice guy and uh, i've read some of his work um and ramsey campbell who i know but you know he's like super awesome um so yeah you know it's 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 pretty amazing one of the exciting original voices of flame press it says underneath your your listing oh um, so uh, hardback is £20, available from 23rd of July next year. Um, and you can pre-order it now. It's, uh, it looks really smart. I love the front cover. Uh, front cover. It's really colourful. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of Ian Kennedy. Um, I think it's got a little bit of an Ian Kennedy vibe going on, which is, mm. uh, is really cool. Um, and if anybody doesn't know Ian Kennedy, he's the guy that used to illustrate all the commando comics um and all the eagles um so his space ships were just they had just this right kind of 50s pulpy you know um aerodynamics mixed with a bit of utilitarian uh stuff which so yeah i love ian kennedy and it, it kind of has a little bit of an ian kennedy vibe to it yeah very cool very cool indeed um, so yes, give it a read. Uh, if um, as and as and as and when you you fancy a new sci-fi read, give uh, give Fearless a go because it really is very good. Um, right, let's let's have a quick advert break and then we'll move on to on to the next the next thing. I was overseeing the delivery of some slaves to the starport in Exios and a cleaning robot had just washed the floor but not left a warning sign. I had to run after a slave that was escaping and I slipped and fractured my wrist. I was delayed for 10 whole minutes while the Medicomp repaired the damage. My time is billable, can I get compensation? Yes, you can. I was on a regular trading room back to Seoul and it was my job to repaint the outside of the ship. I was given the wrong kind of EVA clamps. Nothing bad actually happened, but it did give me a fright. Can I get compensation? Yes, you can. I was checking some robots through customs when I distinctly heard an official call the robots clanks. I was deeply offended, even though I'm not a robot myself. That's their word. You're not allowed to use it. Can I claim for moral outrage? Yes, you can. At Cowell and McGrath, we are now taking any kind of legal action. No case too small, no justification too frivolous. If you've been lightly inconvenienced, embarrassed, or in any way put out, then someone should be made to give you money. Don't be a stupid clank. Uh, excuse me? Cowell and McGrath. Taking on any case. Playing the percentages. Eddie Lee Wise here. Our family-run business looks after all your sartorial needs. Whether you need something to turn your pink python purple, or you want to wrap your buns up in a nice tight flight suit, Millsburn Ken can sort you right out. He's an expert at inside leg, and my wife Barb's is a whiz with a sewing machine. 
Bespoke tarting for you and your ship. Visit Eddie and Sons, plus me daughters, at Lave Station. Right, sir. Cough, please. <coughs> Welcome back. Uh, so, what else has been going on in the Elite Dangerous community? Um, Massively Overpowered, which is a, um, a website, a sort of content website for um, MMOs, uh, gave a little bit of coverage to the um, to the petition that some players um, launched the week before last, last week. Um, and um, they, uh, they, they gave it sort of fairly cursory. Notable, the, the story was submitted by... Uh, by somebody claiming to be um, Stuart GT, the um, the moderator of the subreddit upon which the the petition was first um, published, um, and uh, they massively OP finished their coverage um, uh, by focusing in on uh, Zach's final comment of his response to that petition, which was um, uh, basically emph- emphasising that he doesn't condone the um, the the action of, of creating a, pish, a petition to force change through public pressure. Um, and then apart from that, I, I don't think it's received any other coverage. Um, but there was a little bit of, up, of an update on that story uh, this week, I think, um, whereby one of the, the architects of the, the petition made a, a post on the Elite subreddit um, just saying that they'd, they'd, been in, they'd been in discussions with, um, with Zach Antonacci uh, and uh, I, I, I did read this. It was fairly fairly sparse on substance, um, but the the one thing that did leap out at me is that they they'd managed to get um, they'd managed to get Zach to commit to giving them an answer on whether they'd do a beta uh, period for the December update uh, by the end of November, which seems pretty seemed pretty modest as far as achievements go, um, and um, and also it, it, it does still. I suppose it still rankles, and it's still sort of um, it's in, 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 in. I suppose it is in line with the spirit of the petition that it um, that it does seem to be sort of seeking to uh, coerce Frontier into doing um, into making decisions rather than um, rather than sort of advising or um, or I, I guess asking uh, for things. Um, but uh, apart from that, it was very much. Um, it was very much no, you know, no more changes, nothing else to report. We'll um, uh, we'll let you know if anything changes, sort of thing. Um, did you guys see the um, see the post? I can't remember. I, I think it was either Ryan or. or I read or... the article and then <laughs> read the comments under the article in which the chap who runs the subreddit said that wasn't me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, the, yeah. and then the discussion that like happened between him and the author of the article, going, "Oh, oh, yeah, I've got your contact details now, and that isn't you." <laughs> so yeah, so somebody, somebody, uh, the moderator of the subreddit, which is a bit weird. They obviously really wanted it to be. Um, they really wanted it to be in the news, but didn't want to. Didn't want the, their own name associating with it. Um, yeah, so. So long story short, we'll, um, Frontier will will uh, let us know by the end of November, apparently, as to whether they will run a beta period for the December update, which definitely isn't a commitment to run a beta period. And as we talked about last week, which I found really illuminating because it answered a lot of, cleared a lot of things up for me, um, beta periods aren't actually the silver bullet that um, that I thought they were. So, um, so we'll find out more about that um, next month, I suppose. 
the um, thing the thing I sort of remember from beta periods is the the last beta we had, loads of people complained in the forum because they'd reported bugs and it shipped with them in the release. Mm-hmm. And then after that, they sort of stopped doing betas. And Which, I wonder if it is just they don't have the resources to react to... Do you know what I mean? If they have such a scheduled timeline for where their release is going, maybe it's irrelevant whether... Maybe they even knew about a lot of the bugs, but just were going to ship anyway. Mm. I mean, the w- w- what we've been told is that the Elite Dangerous team is about 100 people, um, 85 of whom are working on the new era update and about 15 of whom are working on 2019 content. And... Um, uh, if if beat, I don't know how how time consuming beta beta periods are to administer, but if there is a if there's a if they're costly in terms of people's time, it would make sense that we haven't had because uh, because most people are not working on 2019 content. Um, but anyway, we'll have to we'll have to um, we'll have to see. Um, there was a there was a post in response to the um, the. The, the post by the petition authors in the last few days um, from Agony Aunt. Um, ben, do you want to do you want to take us through this? Yeah, I can do that. I mean, it's it's pretty tongue in cheek. I think. Agony Aunt's gone off and you know, he's gone off and said, "We, the open letter to the authors, sort of the open letter to Frontiers authors, speaking on behalf of the community, demand to know the contents of the private conversations between said authors and Zach." As we understand, some or all of the authors of the open letter have had conversations with Frontier Development based on statements by Ryan M. We have spoken to Zach privately and sometime and have some timelines that will be following that we will be following closely for progress. We find this lack of open communication by those who claim to represent the community and are themselves more open communication and themselves <laughs> are demanding more open communication from Frontier Development, frankly speaking, disturbing. I need to make this bigger because I can't actually <laughs> see this and I can't see this and speak to my microphone at the same time because of angles. <laughs> we demand that the contents of those discussions are published publicly for consumption by the community and not locked away behind closed doors. I mean, I feel like, is this a parody? Petition? It was, it is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> The yeah. petition is not a barrier, but that that post, yes, that project. post by Agony Aunt, I think, is pretty definitely a a par. A, it's very tongue in cheek, I feel. Uh, we, but we also had um, uh, we Ryan, the architect of the petition, got in touch, didn't he? This, uh, yeah. So Ryan got in touch with me, just wanting to clarify a couple of things that we brought up last week and. He is saying that um, the petition... He's given us assurances, basically, that no personal data has been shared by the iPetition organisers with SDC. Mm. So... That's a very specific thing to be... Yeah, well, it it was one one of the concerns about the petition was that iPetition's policies say we we can and we will and we might well we, we reserve the right to or something like that share users details with the petition organizer uh and that includes uh, potentially 
names and IP, and IP addresses and things like that. Um, and Ryan has basically said, according to the data that they've been... Ryan's told me that they don't get any of that stuff. Hmm, so they've okay, just well, got okay. commander name and any comments. Yeah, so thank you, thank you, Ryan, for reaching out and say that. That's, um, that's reassuring. Um, moving on, there's, uh, there's quite a lot going on in the, um, in the next few weeks, I think, um, that's been announced in the last few days. Um, there's another 24-hour um, live stream coming up. Uh, who, who, who can tell us about this? I, I suspect the, this the pair of these might well be me, actually. Come on, then, um, so let's, let's last treat Saturday, us to a sonorous baritone for the next. Last Saturday, we had Commander Ro Laren, uh, otherwise known as Trans Tech Girl, um, did an expedition to Beagle Point and on from Beagle Point over towards Voyager's, Voyager's Rest, I think it is. And she was raising money for <coughs> uh, for um, cancer research from Macmillan. Um, so Macmillan Cancer Research. And I'm just going to try and get the most recent figures from her, because as I mentioned to the other day, we just had Commander Plater had and his awesome stream, which raised, I think it raised something like £8,000 mm. the other day. But everyone's already given their money to Commander Plater, unfortunately, and poor trans tech girl, Commander Rowe, um, yeah, she managed to raise uh, £335, which is still an absolute, it's an absolutely fabulous amount, and you know, well done to her, it's great. I just think yeah. it's a hell of a shame that it's coming right after everyone's given all their money to Plato. Yeah, th yeah, there is a, there's definitely a, I think people have a, have a, an int a sort of an idea of budget for these things, don't they? And if they, if they come too closely on each other's heels, then I think there's, there's an element of people feel a bit spent after, after. Yeah, you know, yeah. you often give somebody, you give somebody your spare cash for the month. And then someone else with another equally worthwhile call along. I want to help you, but I'm already I'm I'm living off beans already. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, well, good, um, great job that it uh, uh, that she managed to raise a bit of money there. Because that's um, oh that's yeah, she she did an awesome job. Um, and she did an awesome stream. I joined her for the start and the end of it. Um, just this was on the Sunday when I was out at the cinema for most of the day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So we are you... getting a huge gingery raid by the looks of things. Oh, we have a we have a ginger raid. I, actually, I, damn it, I want some I want some ginger ale now, don't you? Thank you, Colo. Now look Hi, what you've done. <laughs> yes, Hello, so Colo and right. the colony. Right, in that case, and the colony's arrived just in time. So, guys, if you guys have any spare money for this month, please go and help out Trans Tech Girl for her absolutely fabulous 24-hour stream, giving money to uh, Macmillan Cancer Research. And I will be posting the money, the money, the, the what do you call it? The link into Twitch chat right now. So, so yes, if anyone's got any spare money after giving all their money to Plater, please help <laughs> throw out. Um, Hello, and then... lovely Carlo. Um... There's also the elite AID or aid. Ha, ha, hang on, Sue, 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 Sue. So we're getting a request from Colo saying, "Hello, you beautiful people." Um, um I can't. I'm, no, Sue, are you any good at falsettos? 
Uh, Don't even try, Ben. <laughs> no, okay, not, not, not really, no. Uh, hello, beautiful people. Uh, can you please tell us all about Lave Radio for anybody who doesn't know what Lave Radio is? Um, and so, do you want to? Do you want to get? Do you want to take that or shall, shall I? Uh, Lave Radio is uh, a weekly podcast um, which is um, recorded live um, on Tuesday evenings at eight thirty. Um, it is streamed out over Twitch as well as, as well as um, recorded to, um, for later podcasting. Um, we cover all things elite, not just elite dangerous, although obviously mostly elite dangerous. Um, and uh, and every week we talk about things that are going on in the game, things that are going on in the in the community, um, the future of the game, the history of the game, uh, what we've all been up to, um, and uh, and each other's bathrooms. And brambles, don't forget the brambles. And occasionally, if we if we can, we'll talk about pushes. <laughs> yes, um, it is the number one home improvement show in the <laughs> in the Lave system. <laughs> it is top five home improvement podcast in the Lave system. It's also the longest running elite podcast. Uh, Shan has just mentioned. Yeah, so we've been fun. going since twenty thirteen. Yeah. So all the way since the alpha that Play Radio started, which is it's crazy when you think about that. Yeah, that is a yeah. Time. I I listened to Live Radio avidly whilst waiting for the beta to come around because I didn't have alpha access. <laughs> we ought to do um, we ought to do a, a what the hell are you doing here episode? Recount how we came to be a Live Radio. <laughs> to be honest, I'm actually thinking Grant needs to. Let the colony hear a little bit of some pink custard. Uh, we are there's people looking for rave radio grant. <laughs> rave. Can we have plenty of tunes to uh, to tickle your ears? Are you wanting some pink custard? I, I, I think we do want some pink custard just for Colo. Okay, you I'm asked for it. <laughs> <laughs> this is for you, Colo. <laughs> We are so sorry. Lave radio, lave radio. Lave radio. Lave radio, listen to Dadio. Dangerous podcast, it's the elite. Lave radio, so much to say, Dio. This side of Diso, we're loving the heat. I hope someone knows what we're talking about. They mean disco. Lave radio, it's here to say, Dio. Orange Sidewinder, this is your crew. Lave radio, hey, 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 Dio. Second technician, Forrester 2. Cool. Should we leave it at that or are we going to let it play it's through? Let's <laughs> uh, let's let's call it a day. <laughs> so, you, yes, that, that is. Oh, the... I was enjoying that. <laughs> Swing your pants. <laughs> uh, so, that's what we're all about. Um, stick around. Uh, let's let's move on to the next thing that's going on because there's bloody tons this week, which is great. There is. Yes. Um, who can tell us about the Elite Aid bushfire? Uh, that's possibly me as well, unless Mac wants to pick it up. Well, I've actually got the document in front of me. I'm I'm all prepared tonight. Yes, uh, the, <laughs> I'll, the, I'll the let elite, you take this one. Then. The elite like bushfire. Um, there's been some fairly nasty bushfires in Queensland, in Australia, and it happens. It so happens that 
our own Icarus Smith uh, is from there. You're from um, EIC, aren't you, Mac? Just yes, that's right. Yeah, and and um, he was quite he was quite fortunate because his house didn't burn down, but the rest of his neighbourhood did. Um, so. Anyway, they've not been having a very good time of it. But um, what we do from time to time, we have an elite aid. We we done on various other uh, various other things. We had um, there was a hurricane relief one we did um, a couple of years ago, um, etc. Um, so anyway, this 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 time, uh, we the, the the goal is to raise uh, fifteen hundred dollars or more to aid the bushfire firefighting efforts in Australia. And it's in conjunction with Lave Radio, Radio Sidewinder, Diamond Frogs, Galcop, SDC, Simbad. And it'll be a 24-hour streaming event starting 2300 UTC. That's in game time. On the 18th of October. I think that's a Friday That's Friday night for us. Friday uh, night going in through yeah. all Saturday and then finishing Sunday. Yeah, uh, 1900 DST if you're on the east coast of the USA. And so we continuous live stream staff by members of each gaming group and the proceeds will be donated to support the ongoing efforts in the Queensland bushfire emergency. So, um, yes, yeah, so so while we expect the stream to be heavily filled with elite dangerous content, streamers will be allowed to stream any games they choose. Uh, you must operate with the Twitch streaming guidelines, I guess. I guess that excludes some types of content. <laughs> I, I I'll leave it up to imagination uh, <laughs> and what that might way. be. Um, uh, but yes, yeah, so you can sign, sign up if there's any other groups who want to get involved. You can sign up for a time slot by contacting EIC directly at e- eliteaid at eicgaming.com or Kaloian on the EIC Discord or any in-game admin for the sponsoring groups. So uh, that'll be the aforementioned group. So Lave Radio, Radio Sidewinder, Diamond Frogs, Galcop, SDC, Sinbad. Um, and then the usual boilerplate, please make sure you know you know how to stream, etc. Um, and please mention the charity when you're streaming uh, and thank viewers who donate. So that's if anybody else wants to join as a streamer oh yes and it says please avoid discussing politics and of course spoilers for any movies or tvs goes during the stream (laughs) so we've got a slot haven't we we do have a slot until 10 a.m 8 or 10 utc or in-game time or whatever you want to call it on the saturday and fingers crossed though i don't want to make any promises yet i've actually my flatmate is well he's from Australia and knows a hell of a lot more about these kind of things than I do. Um, so I'm I'm kind of sweet talking him into coming on and giving giving us some of an actual Australian's perspective rather than a British person reading about stuff in the news, thinking, "Wow, that's hot," and then thinking that you know, the Australian national anthem is, "I come from a land down under." Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so what you're trying yeah. to do. Is present your flatmate as here is a token Australian person. <laughs> basically, yes. He well, uh, basically. I bet, I bet your flatmate is thrilled. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh dear. And it's um, so that the the stream is fire. 
when, whenever I whenever I hear about the token Australian, I always think of about Sir Leslie Patterson, the uh, the Australian cultural whatever he was, the the what the, the the guy the guy the the other alter ego of Dame Edna Everidge. Right. Yeah. No, we had yeah. another one. Yeah, yeah. There was Damon Everidge, and there was yeah. there was uh, there was Sir Leslie Patterson, who was kind of a uh, spittle foaming, fairly uncouth, uh, supposedly cultural representat- representative <laughs> of Australia. Um, so yes, that, that that's that's always that's what it always conjures up with me. I, I've known actually, I've known a few Australians. They've always had the loudness gene. Mm-hmm. Oh. I'm I'm not going to say my, my flatmate does actually he's got a lot of experience in public talking and things like that. Um, so if none of you ugly buggers with faces for radio want to join me, then at least I can get somebody so I'm not talking to myself for two hours. Uh, well, if you hadn't chosen such a uh, such an um, an antisocial time, then uh, then I'll be all over it. The eight a.m. It's well, it's, it'll be nine a.m. for. Which is a little bit more social. Mm. There's only one 8 a.m. on uh, uh, in the day on a Saturday. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, they've got. I mean, they've got a lot of big streamers on, and the work that these volunteer firefighters do, just from what cursory stuff I've given it a quick look at. Yeah, these guys are. All, they're all volunteers, and they just they're just going in and doing things without any. Any thought about sort of what their their own lives and things like that? It's just mm. they're giving so so much. Um, it's, and it's, um, it's devastating communities. Yeah, and it's been um, it's fairly it's fairly topical week for fires because there's mm. been um, uh, there's been a, a fairly massive disaster for another member of the elite dangerous community this week. Hasn't yeah, it? ironically enough, also in Australia. Uh, oh, M- Miggles is also another token. Excellent, brilliant, <laughs> good. Well, um, well, you can be our resident bushfire expert. Should we, should we need one um, on uh, on um, on the Lave Station Orange Sidewinder Bar? <laughs> and the, the the local system chat has just said another one. Damn it! I need a career change. <laughs> <laughs> If any, yeah, for any listeners, we're now we're, we're now we, we, we've got our quota of uh, bushfire safety experts on the list, <laughs> um, on the show and on the Orange Side Winder Bar. So any anybody else with uh, expertise in bushfires or being Australian need not apply. We are we're full. Australia um, is indeed an island of monster fires. Yes, <laughs> I spent uh, I spent two months in Australia, and um, mm. fuck me, do they have some big insects? Like everything is, things are scary. Even the fish are scary. Yeah, yeah. Like it's all. Oh, don't go swimming there. Why? Oh, because. Oh, don't go in that bush. Why? Oh, because the kangaroo will kick your insides out. Like it's just a scary continent. Oh, I mean, you've got the cutest possible animal, like the koala bear. That thing will rip your face off. That's not the cutest. The cutest is a um. What's the? There's a there's a particular. No, it's not. No, it, it actually exists. <laughs> there is. There's an animal that lives. I can't remember what it's called. Somebody might be able to um, be able to uh, chip in and chat. There's an animal that lives on an island uh, off the coast of Australia. And oh, is, the Tamiz- Tasmanian devil. No, 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 no. It's um, it's small, unbelievably cute, and really, really tame. And if you go and see, them, they'll they'll come up and sort of sniff around you, and you can mm. pet them and stuff. And um, and they are like 
they're sort of one of the world's cutest animals um, and they only live on this one island and uh, they're a bit of a meme um, and Australians make that um, people go, come from all over the country to come and see these little um, and they're very cute and I can't remember what the name what their name is so if, if, if anybody if anybody and if, they, if you do go and pet them do they then rip your face off <laughs> no they're one of the only things in Australia, okay, okay. apart from inanimate objects that don't kill you we actually have wallabies living wild in the Isle of Man do you Yes, there was a there was a population that escaped many many years ago. There's in the north of the island. There's like a nature reserve, and some guy had brought wallabies over. Anyway, they escaped, and they've been living in the wild for decades at this point. There's there's a kind of a naturalised population of them. Gosh, okay. um, that's the second. Gone. Is saying quokka. So are you might yes, the quokka. That, that's the one. Okay. I mean, I mean quokka. They are. Literally the cutest animal in the world. Let me, let me, um, thank you very much. Who is that? Nephelius. Nephelius. Thank you, Nephelius. That's really helpful. These things are just the best. Um, there we go. Uh, right. Yes. Ventura says radio. Um, and you're absolutely right. We're on a radio show and I should, yes. I should carry on. Um, we want to just, make a shout out to Commander Ghost. Uh, I'm sorry if I've mispronounced that, who um, who has lost his house his and his dog and uh, lots of belongings in uh, also in a bushfire. Um, and um, uh, and I believe the AXI are doing a, uh, putting on an event to cheer him up. Um, Kurgle, can you tell us about it? Um, I don't actually know about this event. <laughs> shall, shall I pick this up as well, then? Go, come on, Ben. Come on. <laughs> okay, okay. So, yeah, Commander Ghost, who we've had actually on the show, uh, he's from Hive. Um, and as you say, he, he basically, it wasn't related to these Queensland fires, but they had a house fire. Um, and basically, he got woken up with his wife saying, There's a fire! And get out now. Um, and. You know, they did manage to get out, but they've lost literally everything, including unfortunately his his dog. Oh. Um So yeah, that obviously sucks. Jeez. But with ghosts being so prominent in the anti Xeno community, they're gonna try and at least give them a, something to smile about. And they're gonna be collecting some ancient keys from Snoofy KU-FB44-4 and they're going to get some ancient keys from the Guardian Beacon there and then they're going to head off to HIP 14909 and spell out messages for Commander Ghost. Nice. Um, Alright, let's let's drop that address and time into the chat so that okay. people, can, people can make a, uh, people can make plans to be there if they if they want to. Um, and then we've got, uh, in other news, we've had something in the elite. We've, sorry, you broke up there, Sue, for me. I said, we've, uh, we've had something, uh, we've received something from the elite cast, haven't we? The, um, the... Oh, yes. Grant, are you awake over there? No. Because I did have this saying, please play this, Grant. Did you? we we I don't even know what we've been sent. Where, 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 where was that? Where was, in, the, in the show notes. In the, in the show notes. Yeah, I don't read that. 
you want to talk about number five while Grant goes off and, and finds number four? Uh, I'll just, I'll, I'll, oh, yeah, Kogel's copied and pasted it. Thanks, Grant. Oh, okay. oh thank um, you. Yeah, and then there's, uh, number five is super, super exciting. Uh, really, really good. Um, Mac, how about you talk us through this one? Uh, I'm not actually looking at the show notes. What's number five? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you guys are rubbish. Okay, so um, Alec, Alec Turner um, uh, pointed this one out to me, and um, uh, it's very, very close to his heart because there is a new uh, there's a new live stream series starting soon, um, run by um, Frontier called Full Throttle, um, and um, it will be completely dedicated to racing, um, and. Uh, I think the, uh, the the full details of the of, of the the stream and and um, and the first the first event are currently uh, on the forums. Um, I'll just copy and paste the address for the uh, for the stream. Um, and um, uh, I thought this is exciting because it's the first time uh, first time in quite a while that something has been um, that that something's been expressly designed for. Um, for more experienced viewers, um, people who have, have sort of been around the community a bit longer, um, rather than uh, for newbies, um, and um, yeah, I, I can't wait. I think it'd be, I think it'd be really, really good fun. Um, it's uh, a, lo a lot of the stuff that's happened this year in 2019 is, is all been about the new player experience, which is great. But the the thing that I've been really excited about with the um, with this full throttle um, announcement is that it it's Frontier giving a bit of attention to an area of the game that has historically seen uh, not seen a lot of developer investment, um, and um, and also it's completely geared towards um, developing something that a lot of players are already doing, and and um, and a lot of the old crowd, are, uh, you know, the buckyballers and, and the elite racers have been around at the beginning, um, and um, so yeah, it's something that I personally am. Really the first event is going to be um, held in the Pareco system. Uh, which is P-A-R-E-C-O, and will be called Full Throttle at Pareco. Um, and uh, I think we've just dropped the link for that into the um, into the chat. Um, and it'll be um, it'll be hosted by uh, Will Flanagan and Stephen Benedetti with special guest Alec Turner um, of the Buckyballers, um, which will be held this coming Thursday, so only two days away. Um, so pretty exciting stuff. Um, anyway, that's we're sort of getting to the end of the content, really. Would anybody like to any further? Um, Does Grant want to do his pl his plaything? Oh, sorry. Yeah, we had the elite, the, the, yeah, the elite cast recording, didn't we? Are we ready to play that? Yep. Give me two seconds. It's going to drag it on. There we go. Here we go. Hello, guys from Life Radio. This is Maya Faye from the Spanish podcast for Elite Dangerous, Elite Cast. Uh, we want to send you a very big uh, hello and a very big uh, hug. That's a Spanish habit to hug people. And I want to send you another message. It's Maya Faye. Ah, Maya, not Maya. Okay? Really, we should agree internationally how to behave in front of this vowel because it's so confusing. Anyway, carry on, guys. Keep podcasting. Lovely. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, no, a direct response to me not being able to say Maya's name. 
Cool. Thanks, Maya. Or remember the name of Maya's podcast. (laughs) Just like, yeah, there's there's some Spanish guys who do something. (laughs) I felt so bad. (laughs) Especially because we work fairly closely with Maya over in Sagai as well. We do. (laughs) And (laughs) I've I've met Maya. She's a lovely woman. And... Cool. Well, your rebuttal has been broadcast across the galaxy. Maya, so thank you very much for that. Um, and getting people's names wrong is it's 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 what we do. It's our thing. Um, it, yes, I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how many times I've been called Mark Winston. Well, I routinely <laughs> or, or, or uh, some, somebody's put an E on the end of my name in the show notes. I notice. <laughs> well, ever since ever since Colin um, couldn't seem to tell the difference between Mac and Mark, I've just called you. I've just Mark routinely. Um, and Alec Turner will always be Alex Turner here as well. So I think I think we ought to make it. I think we ought to embrace it. <laughs> Everybody just gets their name screwed with. This is what we do. <laughs> it is um, kind of the thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's on brand for sure. Precisely. Yeah, yeah. It's all part of the brand. Uh, but anyway, that is uh, that is broadly it. Um, so apart from the remaining uh, the remaining shoutouts. Um, does anybody else have anything final to add? Ben or Kurgle? Oh, and yes, Nephelius is telling us, people tend to put a PH into my name because it is actually not ill Nop-il-3-os. Well, then again, I'm blaming Nephelius for having a dubiously pronounced name with numbers and things like that that just doesn't work right. Yeah, exactly. If you have four yeah. syllables in your name, some of them plain that mispronounce it. You can always call him Bob. Yeah, all right. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for the input. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, our sister station, Hutton Orbital Radio, broadcasts on Thursdays from 8.30. You can tune in at tv.forthemug.com or just for the audio at radio.forthemug.com. If you are a discerning commander who likes a CQC action, you should check out the CQC Discord at discord.me forward slash Elite Dangerous CQC. Um, we have been promising for weeks that we will do an episode themed uh, on the CQC guys, and um, they keep sacking us off um, because they're so busy and successful. Um, but one day, one day, we will nail them down CQC episode. One day soon. Um, Thank you very much to those uh, who have chipped in on um, on Twitch chat tonight, um, notably Commander Bob, um, also whoever it was who volunteered to be our token Australian bushfire expert. Uh, that, was, that, was that would be Commander Muggles. Commander Muggles, thank you for that. Um, and uh, have we had anybody in game? Have you guys been hanging out with anyone? Yeah, Commander, uh, Andy and I have actually, we've been with Muggles314159. And Mark Winston's here as well, obviously. <laughs> Good old Mark. Excellent. <laughs> I've been, I've been, I've been sitting here in front of the lay station. But I've been attacked by NPCs. I saw that actually. You wanted or something, or you got? Uh, yeah, I, I, may, I may have done a bit of property damage in the pursuit uh... of various. <laughs> I tried to defend you, but they chased me out of there. Did you start bushfires? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, you'll be very quiet there, Mac. Yeah. Footsteps diminishing into the distance. <laughs> An airlock's going to cycle soon and, and, and be blown off into space. Right. Okay. 
before this gets further out of hand and any more arson, uh, that is it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you would like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com. Uh, hit us up at facebook.com forward slash Lave Radio. You can tweet us at uh, at Lave Radio, or you can join our Discord server by going to discord.io forward slash Lave Radio. We also have a TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat, which you can find at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Do get in touch if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like to discuss um, or you'd like us to discuss in a future episode. Um, ah, don't forget the, the Glanet. Do you mean Galnet Digest? Hey, if I can get Mark's name wrong, I can get Glanet. <laughs> Is it Galnet Digest? Yes. Right, okay. What was so... talking about? We have uh, we have Galnet Digest coming up um, immediately after this, so do stay tuned. Um, Live Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at eight thirty and streamed out at, uh, streamed out at laveradio.com forward slash live. Thank you to uh, our guests. Uh, no, we've only got one, isn't it? Um, Mark Winston, thank you for joining us. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I, you, I just Steve. I just gotta give up now and, and ask Frontier if they can change my name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, send a support request. Uh thank you to Commanders Kurgle and uh Edelweiss for being such jolly good sports and the lovely commander Psychic Cow for uh, doing such a sterling job on tech. Um so until next time, Commanders. Fly safe. Alan. Oh, (laughs) thank you very much to Alan as well, who has departed uh, for being um, so voluble in his new book. Um, So until next time, Commanders, fly safe. If you can't do that, fly dangerous. Digest, 8th of October 3305. We read the news so you don't have to. 
In this week's news, horror over missing mapping data. Starvation fears as crop yields fall further. Professor smashes Spanish. Fears over paint job availability. Horror over missing mapping data. Explorers have reacted with horror to the news that all information about who mapped which planet first has been lost following a freak natural accident on Thursday. Most non-explorers believe that the process of carefully mapping the galaxy's planets is a labour of love, carried out by philanthropic scientists, keen to increase humankind's knowledge and understanding. In fact, exploration is driven by two key motivators. The explorers' desire to get their hands on some of Universal Cartographic's money, and the desire to get their name scribbled all over the galaxy. It's a bit like being paid to be a graffiti artist. Tag a planet, get paid handsomely. For most explorers, it's the delight in becoming famous from having their name printed across the galaxy that's most important. That and the schadenfreude of hearing about other explorers who got their second and didn't get their name on any of the planets in the system because every single one of the planets, including the tiniest, least regarded ice world, has been methodically claimed by just one commander. So it comes as a shock to find out that Universal Cartographics has been keeping the mapping data in a box of floppy disks that was accidentally wiped by a lightning strike on Thursday, during which Chief Curator Dav Stott's hair was also set alight. Commander Stott is said to be recovering well, but his hair might look a little thinner. As for the mapping data, it's believed that there is a tape backup, and technicians are working through the night to restore the data as soon as they can. Starvation fears as crop yields fall further. The risk of severe food shortages across the bubble appears to be growing as more agricultural systems report dramatically reduced availability of their produce. The cause is not clear. Journalist Adeline Cross insists that this is not just a poor harvest, and it seems that stockpiling, possibly caused in part by the fears of shortages, may be contributing to the problem. The shortages appear to be affecting mainly fruit and vegetables, raising concerns that pirates in particular may not get enough vitamin C, and may in fact become scurvy pirates. Responding to the shortages, Rex Whitlock, the marketing director of Rockforth Corporation, which has still not provided product compliance documentation to the Interstellar Association for Agriculture, insisted that the new Rockforth EX7 fertilizer can provide the answer to the growing food shortages, adding that what the galaxy really needs now is an interstellar initiative to get the fertilizer distributed. Dr. Genevieve Kane of the Interstellar Association for Agriculture expressed her concern about this proposal, countering that in that case, what we really need is an interstellar initiative to prevent the unlicensed and potentially dangerous fertilizer from reaching vulnerable agricultural planets. Professor Smashes Spanch <laughs> 
nutty professor, Commander Steve Falcon, has not just broken the speed record for a trip from Seoul to Colonia, he has smashed it. Adding an extra fuel tank to a super lightweight anaconda normally interferes with route plotting software, but the professor created his own custom route planner that allowed him to take an extra fuel tank and to plot each jump based on the maximum jump range possible with the varied amount of fuel on board at the start of each jump. Using the Neutron Highway and further optimising his route to transit binary star systems with a scoopable main sequence star close to the Neutron Star, he was able to complete the journey in just 76 jumps, well under the 100 or so jumps calculated using the Spanch Route Planner. His journey time from Seoul to Colonia, including undocking and docking time? 1 hour, 38 minutes and 11 seconds. The galaxy has become a little bit smaller. Fears over paint job availability. With the driving force behind many of the most colourful paint jobs, leaving the Pilots' Federation, commanders have been voicing their fears that the supply of paint jobs may soon cease. Sally Morgan Moore, commander of the infamous Pink Wafer, which only last week finally reached Beagle Point, has left the Federation to pursue other interests. A spokesperson for the Pilots' Federation, which had been due to celebrate recruiting its 50 millionth employee, pointed out just how inconsiderate it was for Commander Morgan Moore to leave, and that celebrating the 49,999,999th employee doesn't really have quite the same ring to it. In response to the fears over paint jobs, the spokesperson said that there may be a brief hiatus in the availability of new paint jobs, but that commanders can rest assured that production will be back in full swing by the end of quarter four, 33.06. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to.